It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, July 22nd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is talking all things John Tortorella today. A lot of it. So much excited to get to it. Let's start the show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to get to a little bit of Flyers news and the controversy is already starting with Tony D'Angelo and John Tortorella. So we will get to that. And then we have special guest Allison Lucan. Uh, she used to cover the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now she's an on-air analyst covering the Seattle Kraken. And she has such amazing insight into John Tortorella and what he could she's bring great. to the Flyers. So looking forward to bringing that conversation to you as well. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to podcasts. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So drop us a subscription or a like over there as well. So, Russ, we learned that Zach McEwen's uh, salary arbitration hearing is scheduled. It's August 8th. So... Presumably, we will have a decision on or before that date for uh, what his contract will look like. It'll be before that date. They'll give him a slight increase and they'll be like, here you go, Zach, and he'll take it. Yep, that is my supposition as well. We also got the Phantoms schedule released. Uh, The full AHL schedule is out. They open on the road in Wilkes-Barre Scranton against the Pens. On October 15th, then they go to Hershey. Their home openers are the following weekend, October 22nd, 23rd, in a back-to-back against Cleveland. So excited to get to some Phantoms hockey. They are repeating that uh, 23-team expanded playoff for this upcoming season. So fingers crossed the Phantoms can actually make it this year. Well, I mean, I'm not even going there yet. Well, we'll see how that plays out, but uh, good to see there there are more teams in the playoffs again this time around. So before we get to our chat with Allison, John Tortorella out there making news and saying things in public about the team, defending Tony D'Angelo, like what is going on, Russ? Yeah, I mean... You know, Tony said some things on the radio about an old position with, you know, that things that happen with the Rangers and he should just sort of look to the future. He shouldn't be even worried about what people are saying about him, about the past. This is a new team, a new future. You should be just focused on hockey, be happy that you got this great contract and just do that. But he can't do that. Right. So he goes on a show and he starts talking about the past. Yeah. And it just does more harm than good, because if he's trying to get people to like not look at the giant elephant in the room you don't talk about the giant elephant in the room right right so then of course torts does an interview with jordan hall and you know he starts saying that this is you know 
of course, Tony's going to say stupid stuff and he's going to back him. Fine. Whatever. That's fine, John. We know we get further into this later, right? We we know what he's like. So mm-hmm. I think John didn't have to, didn't expect to have to do this so soon, but he did it, right? But the other thing is the defending of Chuck Fletcher is too much. And so, like, here's a direct quote. Nick Delorier, another one. A number of teams were after him and what he can what he can bring. He can bring some toughness. He can kill penalties. He's a good pro. Okay, John, I, my retort to that is fine, but for four years? Who needs that for four years? So then we, we, we move on. It pisses me off. Some of the things that have been said about those guys, because I think, and meaning D'Angelo too, because this is a quote off of that, um, because I think everybody wanted the big splash. Well, we have to wait our turn for that big splash. We still have some things to do with our foundation of the team, and maybe when our cap releases and contracts are moved or things are sorted out that way, maybe that's when you look for that. Hold on. When was that time, Rachel? Wasn't that time supposed to be like a month ago? Two months ago? Exactly. It's the mixed messaging is like really starting to get out of hand between what he just said and what Chuck Fletcher has been saying. It it it, it does not instill confidence at all. Yeah, it's just, and you know, and you know, and John finishes out the article by saying that some of this fuels him by what he's heard and whatever, and he knows that they were a bad team last year, and you've got to take some, you know, bleep uh, about it. Like it's good that he gets that, but what he doesn't get to do is reset expectations that the fans had before they go spend their money on this season. Like you know, some of the noise that he tunes out, he doesn't realize some of that noise is coming from the fan base saying to the GM, this is what you said you were going to do, and you didn't do anything like that. Yeah, I think that's just his natural instinct, is to just go to bat for who's ever around him and to put himself in the firing line. And I think that's what that is to some degree. Is it willful ignorance at the same time? Could be. But, uh, you know, I think that's just a big part of who he is and what we would expect from him. Yeah, I mean, just in the end, I feel like the fans should have should get to have like another conversation with Chuck Fletcher and get the real scoop now, because I feel like everything they heard a few months ago has completely changed. And I just think it's unfair to them because nothing got done other than sign these great players that John talks about. And why were they signed? Because they were cheap. Well, they usually do a season ticket holder forum around training camp right before the season starts. I'll be curious to see if they actually do it again this year and you know what that looks like, because I certainly can see that going a little bit south for them. Yeah, that'll be an interesting thing. But it's just <laughs> this is what we talk about, though, about the communication and messaging. We're not making this up. We're reading it from an article. Exactly. All right. We'll put a link to that article in the show notes just so you have reference for what we were just talking about. And up next, we are going to talk more about John Tortorella with Allison Lucan. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find league reviews and news on every league, including Major League Baseball and all the info leading up to next year's NFL, NBA and NHL seasons. They even cover combat sports, esports, and golf too. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to scores and podcasts and more. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Head to the Bet Online website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th? Locked on gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available now on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. All right. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome back to the show Allison Lucan, who is now an on-air analyst for the Seattle Kraken. Of course, she used to cover the Columbus Blue Jackets. And so that was one of the reasons why we wanted to bring on the show to talk all things John Tortorella. So I think like the big picture question about him is how does he make teams more than the sum of their parts? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, listen, I, I think Torts does get a bad rap on the big broad brushstroke scale. I'm not going to say he's the best coach ever. I'm not going to say he's perfect. Um, but one of the things to understand about John Tortorella is he is most fascinated in terms of he, in his words, he calls it coaching the mind. So a lot of what he had to do with Columbus, which is obviously a little bit of a different state than Philly is right now was building a winning culture. And that specifically meant making people who were supposed to be leaders on his team leaders, and then also making them believe that they could win. Um, Columbus at the time was a very tepid team. They would kind of ease into things and they didn't have that confidence. So it's a lot of that building a team mentality. We're all in this together, boys. We're in this against all these obstacles. Do you, you know, that's the infamous speech in Tampa Bay, right? Do you know, no one's even talking about you. That's how much no one thinks you can do anything. That's why we're going to go out and do this. Um, so it's a lot of mental coaching. Um, and, you know, the other thing I think he does, um, and I am fascinated, I have to say, to watch Scott Hartnell cover John Tortorella now after <laughs> playing for him. Um, but, you know, one of the things, and, and Scott Hartnell has talked about this and other players have too who've played for him, I think the other reason Tortorella gets results is that players have varying degrees of satisfaction with this in the moment. But anything John Tortorella says about a player publicly, he's already said to the player. And that doesn't happen in every organization in any league of hockey. And so I think that that gains him some credibility. And he also, I will say, you know, one of the keys to him is when he goes on his rants, did something bad happen for the team? Because now we're all focused on his rant and not what his team did wrong. And there's right. a layer of protectiveness in his theatrics um, that I consider to be actually quite intentional. So I think those are some of the keys to how he, gets guys to buy in and why they end up starting to really be able to be free to be more of what maybe people thought they could be. Yeah, no question. He likes to deflect and that is a good thing for the team because he's got a big enough personality where he can get the media focused on him. Um, something that I always noticed, at least in his stops before Columbus, we'll see if they still hold true. He's always going to fall in love with the fourth liner He's always going to have one defenseman play out of position. If he's a right, he'll play on the left. If he's a left, he's going to play on the right. And then the other part will just be, like you said, he will always sort of protect the team. And if that means saying something, you know, not crazy, but something, you know, provocative in post game, that he'll still do that. Yeah, for sure. And I think if we talk about on ice product, you know, I agree. He always, and, he, and it's because he loves, and this is where he gets himself into trouble, right? This is that 
Trevor's egress mess that, you know, I don't agree with what he said. Right. Um, but, you know, right. he has he has an appreciation for what he considers to be an honest game. And I think that's why he falls in love with a guy who just works his butt off to really finally get a chance in the league. Think of a Nathan Gerby, um, mm-hmm. someone like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, then there have been players who, you know, even a Mark Letestu wasn't really a favorite under John Tortorella. So every once in a while he throws you a curveball. What, what I think is curious about him and what I'm really interested to watch is that it was from Vancouver to Columbus when he really started to change his focus on developing scoring chances and talking about scoring chances. He was one of the first coaches. Um, it was him and Mike Sullivan, actually, because they did a project where they decided to focus on scoring chances. Um, he also, while he still loves solid defense, he actually, as long as you're solid defensively, he wants you to be free form offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, Artemi Panarin had two of his very best seasons in the league on a Columbus Blue Jackets squad. So if, if you will be responsible, and that doesn't mean not being aggressive, not being creative. I mean, even Pierre-Luc Dubois during his thriving days in Columbus, this wasn't because it was this very controlled, only when it's safe can you go. Remember, John Tortorella believes safe is death. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Right. So the, the everybody blocks shots and we're all in the defensive zone all the time is, is partially true, but only a tiny bit of the story of what he will allow his team to do as long as they're playing responsibly. Uh, it sounds like, you know, there's a lot more facets to his coaching style than people would normally pick up on. Is there any other like lesser known thing about his coaching style that you think would be a good fit for the Flyers? Well, I will say I'm really fascinated to see the reunion of him with Brad Shaw. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that Torts likes to do the mind stuff. He leaves the X's and O's to his assistants quite a bit. And it was Brad Shaw who developed, you know, one of the most successful, if not the most successful in history, power kill, which is that more offensively minded, aggressive penalty yes. kill. And a huge part of that was Cam Atkinson. Now, of course, we're a couple of years down the road, um, but I'm really interested to see if those two come up with a new wrinkle um, or if Brad Shaw is allowed to come up with a new wrinkle, because again, Torts will leave that to his assistant coaches. So I, I'm curious to watch for that. And I am curious to see, again, this is an individual who recently, when he stepped away from the game, has taken time to do self-assessment. Um, and I'm curious to see if he does come at this with something new or some new approach or some new little tweak to how he decides to lead from behind the bench. Yeah, that'll, that will be interesting. Um, so something that I think right after he became um, – with was with the Rangers, he sort of became very hands off with the goalies. Started really listening to the goalie coaches because he had good goalies. So all of a sudden, he didn't have to mess it with it anymore like he did in Tampa. Which with Tampa, after a while, it was bad. It was it, after Hobby Bullen left, it got it got bad. But the other thing that even though you talk about these other things about Torts, a lot of times his teams still end up defending their own end a lot. And and I don't know if that's because of the mentality, the block shots. I know he wants to get the puck out of the zone, but he's not upset if they're in their own end a lot, as long as they're not giving up goals. So that that still goes counter to a lot of coaches in the league. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, and again, this is where this synergy of Bradshaw is going to be really interesting to me, because if you look at, you know, the Blue Jackets were at their peak, obviously, when they had Artemi Panarin, and then they go all in in the playoffs with, a, you know, a Matt Duchesne, and they had Seth Jones and Sergei Bobrovsky and all these players. Um, but a hallmark of how this team has played regardless, again, I feel this is partially Bradshaw influences. To your point, Russ, you can shoot from the areas we don't care about. 
you can shoot from there all day long, but we're not going to let you into the areas that we've decided are dangerous. And that may not match what league people think or other team teams think it's tuned very tightly to how the team defends. And in fact, I think that's one of the big things you saw fall off for Columbus this year. Of course there were personnel changes, but they were really struggling defensively because it was a different thought process. And that's fine. I'm not digging on anyone, but you know, again, that's a, that is a hallmark of how Torts likes to coach is you can shoot. We'll hang out here because we know we're not going to give up the grade A chance, the things that we think are grade A chances that we struggle with. This Flyers off season has been a struggle to say the least. And I'm trying to be diplomatic about it now, but it's been a little disappointing in many ways or a lot disappointing in many ways. And, you know, bringing in a coach like Tortorella really signals that you want to go for it, but the personnel moves did not match that. Right. So how do you sort of set your expectations for the team? Like what is the Tortorella factor against a roster that didn't really improve much? Yeah, I think it's it's a great question, and I I, I send my empathy to, to Flyers <laughs> fans. It's been rough. It's it's been hard. And listen, people like to crap on other teams' fan bases, and and we know, having been through these kind of experiences, it's not fun. Um, but I think I think that realistically, what you have to expect from Tortorella this year is to do his very best to set up some foundations, some standards. Um, that you want to see this team look organized. You want to see them look prepared. That doesn't mean they necessarily win, but they want to look like they're all on the same page and that they are, you know, it's a cliche, but it is true that they are playing for themselves, for each other. They are connected um, and that, you know, they, part of his whole block shot thing isn't so much about blocking shots, but are are you digging in and doing the hard things when you need to do the hard things? And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. this is again, part of what he did in Columbus was really set a standard and change that underlying culture. And I think that is probably a realistic thing for Philly is to say, everybody stop. If we're going to be a winning organization in whatever we decide our window is, what does practice look like? What do we expect from you when you step on the ice? You know, we're not going to the infamous Pierre-Luc Dubois benching. We're not going to treat stars like stars just because they're stars. Stars are going to, players are going to earn what they get and get what they earn. Um, and I think it's those kind of standard settings that really do matter um, and tie the guys together against torts sometimes, particularly in training camp. But those are some, some hallmark pieces that fans should be looking for this year. Unfortunately, that's, that might be it. <laughs> right. And, you know, John wouldn't commit to making the playoffs, which I get. You know, he he saw the roster. And, and I think you're right. He's going to try and do some things to get them more wins, maybe, you know, make them more exciting or at least fun to watch to some degree. It's Tortorella. It's going to make it so much fun. The other thing is he's a good communicator. And and I felt like, you know, he and Yarmo was were great because Yarmo is very communicative, but I feel like Chuck Fletcher is kind of closed off. And I kind of wonder, even though Torch talked a good game when he got hired about Chuck, not much has transpired since. And I kind of wonder if he's gonna kind of go back to the to the old days of like, well, this is kind of like my team and I'll talk to Chuck when I need to. Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I don't know Chuck well enough to say, um, yeah. but you know, a big thing for torts is honesty. So what I would wager is that 
whether or not Chuck wants to hear it, Torts is going to be sharing his opinions. Right. <laughs> it's right. just how much that is a, a two-way conversation. And, you know, both, to your point, both uh, Yarmo and Torts were very honest that their conversations were not, they were talking a lot, but they weren't always, oh, this is great. No, we're going to do this and this. I mean, there was a lot of disagreement. There was a lot of debate. Mm-hmm. But these are two individuals who believe in healthy debate, um, bringing them to a better place. So uh, Torts is not going to be shy about sharing what he thinks. We'll just have to see how much influence Chuck believes he should have and, and, and how much Chuck decides to share back. Yeah, Chuck is definitely a guy that you expect to have all of those disagreements behind closed doors, and he's never going to show any of that back-end conversation. They barely let us know anything these days. <laughs> and so to even understand what the discussion was at any point is like a miracle, I yeah. think. Yeah. And, and, you know, Yarmo and, and Torts weren't necessarily as open about it, particularly for the longest time at the start of his tenure. This came after when we would start to ask about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the right call, honestly, from leadership. But it's you know, Torts would always say things in Columbus, like, you know, I've talked to Yarmo about this, or Yarmo talks to me about this. And and as long as there's whatever those two determine is healthy communication between the two of them, Torts is actually quite respectful of the role of a GM versus the role of a head coach. And he's not going to overstep those boundaries, um, as long as they can communicate in, in, again, whatever means works for them. So we know from the draft, obviously, that the Seattle Kraken picked at number four, the Flyers picked at number five, very close to each other in the standings. And, you know, you covered the Kraken and our former head coach, Dave Haxtell, for this past season. And so there are some similarities there in terms of ability and expectation. So just covering a team like the Kraken, how do you pick out like the good things and what do you look for in order to look for positive steps forward? Yes. And, you know, again, we can tack on there some, some rough years in Columbus, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, for me, honestly, it, it's actually when teams are struggling that the more interesting stories can come out because we're saying, why isn't this working? What could work? What would we like to explore instead? Um, it certainly is very easy and fun to write about a good team, but I think it's um, exploring the journey and the whys. Um, this is a lot of how even, you know, I work primarily in an analytics focus. This is how a lot of the analytics came to be in hockey was it was out of Edmonton fans frustrated with their team saying, we need to figure out what's going on. And they started to figure out a lot of the foundational things we do today. So I, you know, I think, and I think the other thing is, you know, it, and it's, Again, this is where I, I do empathize with Flyers fans is coming to find a plan, right? It's easier to believe in a plan and understand where a window is. That That's a little bit of a struggle right now. And, and I, I empathize with that. But, you know, here's the thing at the end of the day that sometimes when things get too much in a lot of walks of life, the past two and a half years have been intense. And uh, at some point, although I know it's hard, we're, we should just at some on some level take a breath and say we should just be happy we have hockey back right um, and it is yes. a sport and it's it's emotional and we're connected to it and it means things to us but this is entertainment um and as hard as it can be and as real as i know emotions can be i'm certainly not discounting that um when you're in the middle of a rough season maybe you just find a way to laugh or maybe you find a way to change the perspective or you have a funny joke. I remember I, one year in the blue jackets, I, I said that the, 
the theme song for the year was Bad Romance by Lady Gaga, right? Like, you just have to find a way to, to get through and maybe try and find, although I know it's hard because I appreciate how passionate Flyers fans are, um, maybe try and find a little bit of perspective if you can. Yeah, so I was watching the uh, Seattle table when the possibility of Shane Wright going to the team was on the board, and there was a lot of discussion, and I knew they were going to take him, but I just kind of felt like maybe some of that discussion was they felt like they got a gift because I feel like they got a gift. Uh, I don't believe any of those reports about some of the interviews and teams being taken aback because he had too much confidence that I I've spoken to the guy for a while just by my, on my own and was very impressed. So I think they got somebody really good. And I think this was a big break for them in the draft. Honestly, I feel. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think when you talk about the talk at the table, I mean, really, does any team in the first round really need to use their entirety of their minutes? No, they all just sit there and grandstand and perform. Like it's, it's kind right. of ridiculous, but um, no, it's a huge gift. And as we all know, um, to draft and develop now, hopefully two top tier centers in Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright is yeah. an incredible gift. Um, and I'm with you, Russ, you know, I didn't hear as much, we heard, but I didn't agree with, as you said, a lot of the it was the interview or it was this or it was that, you know, uh, Ron, Ron Francis is on record saying that they had an inkling that this is how the picks were going to go going into Thursday night, mm -hmm. whether, whether people choose to believe that, I don't know, but people I have spoken to and as much as I can, cause I, I did, I was like, what, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? What's the problem? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, really a, a lot of people I've talked to who I really, really trust. Everyone has just said, it was just the different picks. There's, there's mm -hmm. not a problem. This is a yeah. And Ron, Ron's a good judge of character. He is yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, this is just an incredible bounce for the Kraken. I mean, I, I never in a mil, I would have been thrilled to see the Kraken get Cooley. Right, that was my hope was that maybe sure. he would still be around. But um, it, it was an incredulous, incredulous moment. And I think it's, it's right for Kraken faithful to be really excited. Now we're. There's a ton that was very of punny of you. I appreciate that. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a ton of hockey knowledge on the Pacific Northwest, but not necessarily always NHL knowledge. So we now in a little bit have to temper expectations, right? Because we've, we've seen players who come with such promise um, and both Maddie and Shane are going to take a little bit to develop. This is an 82 right. game season, particularly after the path that Shane has had to take with suspended seasons and, and even Maddie. Yeah, Maddie I'm not worried about. He, he's, yeah. He's, he's going to come in and do great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shane will take a little while, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's, it's a really exciting fortuitous bounce for the Kraken. One other thing though, um, their second pick Jagger Fergus, we talked about him on this team on this we, show because we I did. like, because I, I, I like him and oh. I didn't want to see teams sort of chicken out because he's, you know, five, eight, 155 pounds. I wanted someone to say, hey, this guy's got an amazing shot and he's got a great motor and he knows how to play the game of hockey. Let's just sort of be fearless here and take him. And, you know, to me, uh, Seattle was fearless because they took him with the first pick. If they had taken him with the second one, I'd be like, all right, you had two second round picks. You figure you take a swing at this one. They took him at the first one because they did. They were worried he might not be on the board. And I, I liked it. And the kid's engaging. He really oh. is. Oh, he's, and you know, to your point, I mean, so much of this draft class that we got to talk to, Ron, Ron found guys with character, with personality. These are not your standard prospect interviews right. where you're kind of like pulling things out. Uh, Fergus, uh, for those who don't know, you know, his nickname is Fergus Circus. Um, and he 
comes as advertised. You know, I think, and, and Russ, you probably already know this, but you know, he's, he's a little small right now. He's going oh, yeah. to put on some weight. Um, but he was, and again, it's dev camp. So you're playing against other prospects, but the ability to see the ice, the ability to be creative and his offensive skill. This is one of those players where, you know, we always like to say the puck follows him. Yep. Right. And, and he is, if he can, if he can get us to a size that allows him to, to play in the NHL, I, this is an exciting player. I really like him. Yep. Given all of that, what are the expectations for the Kraken for this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's funny. I completely switch coast, but it's still a similar story in that, <laughs> you know, the division has a lot to do with it, right? I mean, even in the Metro when the Flyers have been really strong, it's still such a tough division to, to get into the postseason. And a lot of what's happening in the Pacific dictates the Kraken's path. I think they're still building. I think that they're definitely going to be a better team than last year. Um, so much going on outside of the rink and outside of the team that we all faced, but among a group of people who were literally working together for the first time. Um, and, you know, I don't think that the goaltending continues to uh, flail as much as it did in the first right. season. So, you know, and I think that for the Seattle fans, that's going to be acceptable to understand this is a plan. This is a path. As long as there's int- incremental growth, mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, a two, three, four window year window here that, is rightly going to be accepted by the fan base. And I'm telling you, these fans in Seattle, if, if for any Flyers fans, come out. There were a ton of you out there last year, but it's a great arena. And our, our fans in Seattle are just shocking in terms of the depth and the level of their commitment to their teams. And that made it really special. So again, as long as there can be some little baby steps here and there, I think that it's it's improvement is the expectation for this coming season. Absolutely. And I would highly recommend if you have a chance to watch Kraken games on the Kraken broadcast, Allison is absolutely tremendous, really brings analytics home and explains it in a super accessible way. And uh, love, love, love watching those Kraken games with Allison in the studio. Well, thank you. You guys have always been such such great friends and supporters of my work. And I appreciate you so much for having me on here. And thank you for those kind words. Um, where can people find you out there? Yep, you can find um, all my writing is on the Kraken website. They were kind enough to actually under the news, there's an analytics with Allison section, and that's where most of my stuff falls. Um, and you can find me online on Twitter at Allison L. And everything I'm doing uh, comes through there, as well as my podcast that I do with Shana Goldman and Sarah Sivian called Too Many Men. You can find that on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank Thanks. you guys so much. All right. That was a really wonderful chat with Allison there. Lots of positives. And I think, you know, after what we talked about at the beginning of the show, I think it's important to kind of focus on what the on ice product is going to look like. And and there's could be some really good stuff coming out of the season because. Yeah, no question. I mean, we we try and look at all sides of these things on the show. And I think that's pretty comprehensive. That's a big, big time deep dive into John. Thanks once again to Allison for joining us. Thanks to you for listening to today's show and for subscribing. We will be back again on Monday with the latest in Flyers news. We'll have our nemesis of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M.
I'm Russum at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL, your daily NHL podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone.